the last two weeks, Pastor Randy uh, shared an incredible uh, message, a series of messages, two-week series on sabotage. And if you, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to, to just download uh, those messages from our website because it's, it was such a powerful and it can be a life-transforming message if you really understand uh, what has been said there. Uh, but we've learned that, you know, sabotage, uh, over the last two weeks, we learned that sabotage means to deliberately destroy, to damage, or to obstruct. So we know that we have an enemy and he's, he's out to destroy us, he's out to destroy our lives, he's out to damage our relationships, and he's out to set as many roadblocks in our lives as possible so that we do not become the person that God wants us to be. And one of the, uh, the biggest enemies um, that, or biggest uh, weapon that the enemy can use is ourselves to sabotage our lives. And uh, one of the ways he does this is to make us question God and whether God is still listening to us, whether God is still concerned about us, whether God is still working in our lives, whether God is still working in the world, especially when we see things happening around the world and, and how things are going in a downward spiral, we think, no, God is not working. And that's the, that's the tactic of the enemy, that we question and we doubt God. Because when we come to that place of sabotage in that particular area of our lives, where we fail to recognize the authority of God, then we have big issues and bigger problems that we have to deal with. You see, the moment we see God different from what Scripture shows us, then we fall into the trap of the enemy that leads us to doubt God. Because what the Scripture says and what we experience in our lives may not be gelling with how we see things or how we expect things to happen. And what the enemy does is he tries to shift our focus away from who God really is, from what Scripture tells us. And the moment we do that, we let doubt begin to set in. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see that there were multiple occasions where people did not recognize and accept who Jesus was and who he said he was. He was rejected in his own hometown. He was called a lunatic by his very own family. His brothers, his mother, and his sister, they all called him a lunatic. Multiple times he was set up for a fall by religious leaders who, did not, who, who, who believed he did not conform to the standards of religious leaders at the time. And also, one of his very own circle of friends betrayed him to the cross because... Jesus did not fit his worldview. And yet, even though we see people rejecting Jesus, rejecting his message, not accepting him for who he said he was, we also see in scripture that there were people who saw Jesus differently. And some of these people, he commended them for having great faith. In fact, there are two occasions, there's only two occasions in scripture where Jesus commended people for having great faith. One was a male and the other was a female. Both of these people were Gentiles. Jesus came to his very own and his own did not receive him and recognize him. Yet there were Gentiles that received and recognized who Jesus was. The first was a Roman centurion and the other was a Canaanite woman 
whose, whose daughter was oppressed by a demon. And one of the most fascinating things about these two stories is that on both occasions, they both received a miracle from a distance. Jesus did not even have to go to their house. Jesus did not have to be present in that very area where they wanted the miracle to happen, and yet he commended them for having great faith. And today we are going to look at one of these people and understand that Jesus carries all authority. In heaven and on earth, all authority has been given to him. In Matthew chapter 8, this is where our story takes place, reading from verses number 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Some of the versions say, and he marveled and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found in Israel, uh, anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. You know, to understand this passage of Scripture, we must read it in the context of the passages that came before if we look at Matthew chapter 5, we look at Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, we all know we see Jesus giving this, this very lengthy discourse on the mountainside. We call it the Beatitudes. And he began to teach the people about what it is to be a child in the kingdom of God. And many times as we read the scripture, he says to them, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I say. And the people were amazed and astonished at the authority at which Jesus was speaking and teaching this word. And many times in our lives, we hear people say, we hear people say, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. This is the person you need to have prayed over you. This is how you need to behave. And most of those times, Things don't work out because you have heard it said. But Jesus says, I say to you, listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of Jesus. And when Jesus was teaching 
all these things at the end of chapter 7, it says when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, in the passages that follow chapter 8 and chapter 9, Jesus goes on and the writer begins to portray Jesus in this light that he's not only a person who talks the talk, but he's one who walks the walk. Because he not only can teach with authority, but he can also act and demonstrate that authority in action in the people's lives. And this is one of the miracles we read in Matthew chapter 8. We know some details about this centurion, about the situation. From both Matthew's account and Luke's account, we can draw a, a picture of what was happening here. We know that this was a centurion, a Roman commander in the, in the, in the Roman army, and he had about 100 soldiers that was under his command. We know that this man, he loved the Jewish people. He even went to the extent of building a synagogue in the area of Capernaum for the people. We know that this man had a servant that was paralyzed. The servant was sick. In fact, Luke, the doctor, writes in, in his account, he says that the servant was almost at a point of death. We don't know what the sickness was. We don't know what the, tr the, the trouble that the servant had gone through. But we know one thing, that there was no hope left for this man's servant. We know that the centurion would have heard about Jesus because in those times, whenever someone in the, in the Jewish nation would draw a crowd, you would always find soldiers present because Rome wanted to have control over the people and they did not want to see or entertain any opportunities of insurrection against Rome. So whenever there was a crowd that would gather, you would find soldiers there. And we know from Jesus' teaching that he had many, many people follow him. He was drawing crowds and crowds of people because of his teaching. And most definitely there would have been soldiers that were around that vicinity watching carefully for anyone to get out of line. And most probably some of these soldiers would have conveyed the message back to the centurion about who Jesus was and what he was teaching. So the centurion would have had some kind of knowledge of who Jesus was. And when, we, when he heard that Jesus was coming to Capernaum, it just so happened that his servant was sick at that particular time. I don't know, maybe it was coincident, maybe it was an intervention, maybe it was an opportune or divine appointment, but Jesus was passing through to Capernaum at that very moment. And sometimes we go through life where, where we, you know, we struggle, we struggle with our lives, we struggle with circumstances, we struggle with situations, we struggle with things we cannot uh, take a hold of, and, and we, we pray, and we fast, and we read the word, and we come to God, and we, we find that, that things are not happening the way it should happen, but let me tell you something, that there is an appointed time for you when Jesus would step into your life. The question is, are you ready, or have, have you the heart that Jesus is looking for, for you to receive your miracle? So whatever the situation was, we know that the centurion 
reached out to Jesus. The Bible says that the centurion did not come to Jesus for himself, but he came for his servant. Whatever situation was, was, was happening in that home, we know that the servant was a very highly valued person in the centurion's house. He may have been a very good worker. He may have been, you know, the, 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 very, the very servant that the centurion spoke about where he said, I say to my servant, go and do this, and he does it. He was an obedient servant. He was a faithful servant. He was a highly valued servant. He contributed to the household. He made sure that things were happening, and therefore this, the centurion, uh, he took it upon himself to go and reach out to Jesus. But we also need to understand that it was a very tricky situation in Jesus' day because the centurion was a Roman, a Gentile. And we know from, from history that the Jews hated the Romans. They despised them because they, they saw them as oppressors. They saw them as colonizers coming in to take over and rule and subjugate them. So they hated the Romans. And they would not find a Jewish person would not dare to enter into a Gentile's house. And here we see Jesus, when the, when the centurion came to him and asked him to have his servant healed, Jesus was willing to go to this Gentile's house. You see, Jesus will cross barriers to reach you because he can. He has all authority. He has all power. So he will cross barriers to reach you because he can. He did not hesitate to cross the boundaries or the restrictions that were placed on the Jewish culture at the time. He was willing to cross boundaries because he knew that there was a miracle in the making. See, God is not limited or restrained by cultural, social, economic, geographical boundaries or barriers because he is God and he transcends all things. When God wants to do something he will do it. What we learn from this is that God is concerned about everyone, from the centurion to the servant, from the Jew to the Gentile. God loves and cares for everyone, and that is why we celebrated the, the communion this morning, because he came to save and seek those that were lost, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter what people think of you, no matter the sin that you've committed in the past, God came and he died upon the cross so that we can experience eternal life because he loves and he cares for all people. And he was willing to go even to the centurion, centurion's house. You know, this, this, man could have, this man could have just gone and, and taken a hold of Jesus because he had the authority, he had the power, he had the soldiers. He could have gone and just said, Jesus, I want you to come to my house right now. And by force, he could have brought Jesus without even asking him, without even questioning anything. He would have just gone in and brought Jesus to his, his house. He had the capacity he had the power, he had the authority to do that. But there's certain things that, you know, we cannot do. His servant was at a point of death. He may have tried everything. And he could not revive, resuscitate, or bring his servant back from this place where he was. 
You know, we may have capacities and capabilities that God has given us to handle certain things in our lives. But there are some times that we go through the certain things that we experience in life, the certain heartache that destroys us, the certain relationship that just messes us up, there are certain doors that closes for us that we cannot open. There are times when we are overwhelmed and we cannot see or handle the situation that we find ourselves in. It is in those times that only God can intervene. You see, God does not change even though our circumstances do. Our circumstance, our situation, the things we face in life changes all the time. Every year, it's something new. Maybe every day, it's something new. Every week, we face new challenges. We face new problems. We face new anxieties and, and uh, situations that causes us depression or, or whatever it is. It changes, but God does not change. Does the change in your circumstance alter the way you view God? Does the change in your circumstance change the way you see God? I love this, this quote from David M. Wigginton in his book, The God of the Long View. He says this, the minute you give your circumstances the power to alter your view of God, you no longer really believe in the omnipotent Yahweh God of the Bible. The minute you give your circumstances the power to alter your view of God, you no longer believe in God. You see, oftentimes we give our circumstances too much power. They rule, they control our lives. When we come to a place where we cannot handle it, we get so overwhelmed because we allow those situations, we allow those problems, we allow those relationships to overwhelm us and take control of our lives. We become so helpless, crippled, and paralyzed like the servant. And that is when doubt, anxiety, depression, and hopelessness begins to set in. See, your circumstances today are not bigger than the authority that Jesus carries. Because the authority that Jesus carries comes with a power that set the universe in motion. It comes with a power that has named the stars. It comes with a power that speaks the word and the tectonic plates in the spiritual realm begin to shift. So much so that the manifestation of God begins to be seen on the earth. That is the power and the authority that Jesus has. See, God is greater than that. God is greater than your circumstance. God is greater than the problems that you go through. God is greater than the attitudes that we may have. And these things come to destroy us, to damage us. But the power of God, when it begins to be activated in our lives, it begins to change and transform that situation that has brought us to a place of paralysis and death and destruction. There is no spirit of depression or anxiety or unforgiveness or confusion, all these things. There is nothing that is greater than the power and the authority that is in Jesus. You see, the centurion recognized this. He recognized and he understood this. As scripture says, he was a man under authority. He knew what it was to be under authority. He knew what it is to be in authority. Because as a Roman centurion, when he spoke, 
Rome spoke. When he gave a command, it wasn't as if he was giving the command, but it was actually as if Caesar himself was giving a command. He understood what authority means. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, um, when you are, if you are driving, many of you are drivers, if you are driving a car and you see at a distance the traffic cop, immediately your mind switches and your body activates into a different mode. Either you slow down if you are going too fast, or you reach out to pull your seatbelt and to click your seatbelt because you know that that traffic cop is going to stop you and you're going to face the consequences of it. Now, now the, the only reason you do that is because of the uniform and the vehicle. If you met the man in any other circumstances, you would not do that. Am I right? But the moment you see this traffic cop, your body just shifts, your mind just shifts in another direction, and you, you want to conform because that man carries the authority. He doesn't have any authority. Take away that uniform, take away the badge, take away the vehicle, he doesn't have any authority. The only reason he has that authority is because of what, what lies behind it. Because he, he stands there as a, represent, a representative of the law, the law, the government that has instituted the law. So when he stands there, he's not standing in, on his own behalf. He stands there with the authority that comes by the government. So this Roman centurion had that kind of authority. He had the power to do whatever he wanted to do because when he spoke and acted, it was Rome, it was Caesar that was doing that. And yet, when he met Jesus, even though he could have exercised his authority, he humbled himself. He says, Lord, I am not worthy for you to even come to my house. I don't deserve you to even come to my house. You are a rabbi, you are a teacher. You see, humility postures us to recognize the power and the authority of Jesus in our incapacities. We are incapable of doing certain things. And we need to recognize that, that we are incapable of doing certain things. There are certain things we go through, we do not have the power, we do not have the means, we do not have the authority, we do not have what it takes to get out of those situations that, that, that creates that incapacities in our life. But when we come to God, we need to come with humility. Even though the centurion could have manipulated the whole situation, he could have done whatever he needed to do as an authoritarian figure. He chose the opposite and he approached Jesus with humility. See, without humility, we will not fully comprehend the power and the authority that Jesus has and what he can do for us. Because without humility, we will always tend to do things our way. Because if we don't have humility, we're always, wanting, we're always trying to fix things. We're always trying to make things work. 
We're always trying to make a plan. We always know somebody who can make a plan. We always, always know somebody who knows somebody who can make a plan. You know what I'm talking about. Because that's, that's, that's our nature. We always want to fix things. We always want to do things ourselves. But there are certain things in our lives that we cannot fix. There are certain things in our, that we go through, we, we, you know, we will die trying. We need to give it to God. But before we do that, we need to come to a place of humility and recognize that we are incapable of doing some things in our lives, but God is capable. And when we recognize that, our humility, when we are able to understand God's authority through our humility, then our faith rests in that authority. You see, before Jesus could commend the centurion for his faith, he saw his humility. He saw that he was humble enough to reach out to the one who could change his circumstances. He commended this man for his humility above all else in Israel. There was no, no Jewish person in all of Israel, Jesus says, in all of Israel. He's talking about the Jewish people. He's, to, he's talking to this group of Jews. He says, in all of Israel, I have found no one that has the faith as this Gentile. We see in scripture that it, is, it was the faith of the man that impressed Jesus. Jesus marveled. It was a faith that rested in his understanding of Jesus' authority. Nothing more, nothing less. This is in total contrast. If you go read through the scripture, and I say, always read scripture, Pastor Randy always says that read scripture in context. It was in total contrast to Jesus' disciples a little later on in this chapter, chapter 8. Because we know the story, a little later on, the, the disciples were in a boat and a great storm arose and they were all panicked. They were all terrified that they were going to die. And then Jesus steps up and he calms the storm. Jesus looks at these men and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he rebukes them for their lack of faith. Whereas he commends the centurion for having great faith. You see, the centurion recognized the authority that Jesus carried. The centurion recognized the power that came behind the authority that Jesus carried. He not only spoke with authority, but he acted with authority. The disciples, on the other hand, they did not believe in the authority that Jesus carried because they, they had not come to the point of understanding who he was. In their response, they said, what sort of man is this to Jesus? They've been walking with him. They've seen his miracle. They've experienced his teaching. And yet they still couldn't comprehend the power and the authority that Jesus carried. And they responded, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? What a contrast between these two groups of people. What a contrast between the centurion and the disciples, you would think that Jesus uh, or those that would have been with Jesus would have understood and realized the authority and power he carried. And how often we as well fall into the same trap. We've been walking this Christian walk for so long. For some of us, it's been many, many years. But the moment something hits you in life, 
oh, you just run here and there. You are in a state of confusion and panic and you cry out because you do not know the authority of God that is in your life. The scripture says that there's a power that is within us that is greater than any power in the world. There is a power that resides in the child of God, the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in the, in, in the presence and in the life of a, of a believer in Christ that is greater than any power, that is greater than any demon, that is greater than any circumstance, that is greater than any anxiety or depression or whatever that you may be facing in life. There's a power that is greater in our lives. You see, in the account of these two people, the centurion and his disciples, there's a, there's a contrast as well. Because the Bible says in the account of the centurion that Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion. In, with the disciples, it says that the disciples marveled at who Jesus was. Because they saw what he did. You see, the centurion had already recognized. He had already accepted. He had already activated within himself what he had come to believe in Jesus. The disciples had missed it altogether. Where are we in our relationship with God? This morning, as the worship team would prepare to come up, is Jesus a good teacher? Do we accept him? Because when we read this word, we read all the good things, wonderful teaching. This word has wonderful teaching for us. It makes us live a good life. It makes us live in a, a, an honest and a true life when we read the scripture. But do we believe in the God of the scripture? Do we believe in the authority that he carries? Do we believe in the power that is behind that authority? Like the centurion, humble ourselves and come before God in confession. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. There's nothing I can do. Lord, I've tried. There's nothing I can do. Only you can do. Or like the disciples, what sort of man is this? We're still struggling because we're allowing our circumstance to take power and control over our lives. I know you, you have heard it said many, many times, and it's been said here as well, that we cannot impress God. We cannot impress God. We cannot, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can say. There's no amount of money we can give that will impress God. But God can be impressed. He can be impressed. We saw it in scripture. The only thing that will impress God is our faith. The only thing that will impress God is coming to a place of recognizing who he is, humbling ourselves. Because when we do that, our faith begins to rise. Our faith begins to be activated. That impresses God.